Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. So glad you're with us this morning. We are beginning a brand new teaching series, and it's called Mosaic. And you'll see the image up on the screen behind me, and and there's all these little pieces that are pulled together. A mosaic is usually an art piece, and it's done either with glass pieces or with tile or some other medium, and and it's a lot of little pieces that are pulled together, and they're either glued or attached or welded to uh, make something beautiful. And if you zoom in on it, you see all the little bitty pieces, but when you zoom out from it, you see something amazing and beautiful and and stunning that's being uh, created out of all the little pieces that are assembled. And so mosaic is is the idea of where we're starting, that God is on the move creating something beautiful out of the broken pieces of our lives. Is that good news for anybody? He is welding us together in Christ, and all of us have some rough edges on us, amen? Amen. All of us have some parts that are a little bit broken. All of us have some stories like that. But the hope in Jesus Christ is, is that no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, no matter what life has been like for us, we can find a relationship with God. We can be made new in Christ Jesus. We can be forgiven for all of our sins. We can be adopted as the son or daughter of God. And we can be absolutely set free from the grip of sin in our lives. That's hope right there. That's hope. And we want to tell these stories over the next few Sundays, uh, straight from the scriptures today, these stories of hope, these stories of broken lives that are restored and rescued and redeemed. And you're here today on the very first one, and I love it that Mosaic is where we're heading. And if you'll see there on the image, you see kind of a, uh, one of the images of our logo. Our logo, if you've never thought about it before, is kind of a modern take on a piece of stained glass. And for centuries, you would go into a church and you would see these stained glass windows. And we're unashamedly a church, but we wanted to have this modern take on what stained glass might look like. And so we've got this, and it is in itself a mosaic, these pieces welded together. And it's such a great uh, illustration of what God is doing in bringing broken lives together, restoring them, welding them together in Christ, even in this room. We're building a church out of broken pieces. He is building his church out of broken pieces. Look what our God can do. And we're just getting started. That's our hope for decades and decades to come until the Lord returns, that there would be a gathering, a people called people of hope who are just inviting more and more people in who are broken, say, come belong here. If you don't feel like you fit somewhere else, come belong here. You feel like you still got some rough edges, come belong here. You feel like you don't have all your stuff together, well, neither do we. Our hope's not in us, our hope is in Jesus. And that's such a beautiful thing that we get to be a part of that. Open your Bibles this morning to the book of Luke. It'll also come up on the screen. But in Luke chapter 10, we're going to roll through kind of our first story in this series. And it's Jesus um, having an encounter with some people. I'm going to read the full story and then we'll come back through it and break it apart a little bit together. Luke chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 25. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. The Bible says, on one occasion... An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, 
What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replies, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? And the expert in the law answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live But he wanted to justify himself. This is talking about the legal expert here, the the expert in the law. He wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, so, okay, Jesus, who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came down to the place and saw the man, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Now Jesus has concluded the story, and he looks back at the expert in the law, and he says, Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Jump back with me to verse 25 and let's start picking this apart for a moment. Try to dig deep a little bit and understand some of the things happening in this passage. First of all, this is some sort of a teaching environment. Jesus is talking, the disciples around, there's a crowd around, and in this crowd there are absolute believers. There are people who came to hear Jesus because they've heard of what he can do. He can raise the dead, he can heal the sick, he can cure the blind, he is doing amazing things. Nobody's talking like him, nobody's teaching like him. He's bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. He's saying that you can have life in his name. He's saying all these incredible things. There are people in the room who are just like, if Jesus is there, I want to be there. If Jesus is talking, I want to listen. I want to see what he's going to do next because Jesus can do anything. There are also in the room some skeptics, some people who are looking to trip him up, some people who are just like, I just don't buy it. I don't buy, it doesn't fit my framework of what seems right or possible or logical. And so I'm just going to try to trip him up a little bit. And that's what you have in this moment. Luke tells us that the expert in the law on one occasion stood up to test Jesus. He was not saying, Jesus, tell me more. Jesus, I want to learn. He was like, I think I'm going to stump Jesus. By the way, good luck with that. He stood up to test 
Jesus. And so he's asking a question, but he doesn't really want to know the answer. And Jesus always gives more than you ask. And so this guy gets it. And so the guy asks the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus puts it back to him and says, what's written in the law? And he gives the two great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your body, your mind, your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Friends, if you are rarely in God's word, if you're looking for a way to grow as a disciple of Jesus, you could spend the rest of your days on those two verses right there and you would do well. Work and struggle and grow and study and stretch and say no to your flesh and say yes to God's spirit all under the banner of I want to love God with all of my heart all of my mind, all of my body, and all of my soul. I want to love God more than I love anyone or anything else. Wow. When you love that to be true of your life, I want to love God more than I love anyone or anything else. And the second commandment is like it. It's it's. It's an absolute, it's a, it's a commandment that is, that is a tall, tall hurdle. It's a big bar to get over. It's a big calling on our lives that we would love our neighbor as ourselves. And inside of that, as ourselves mean, do for somebody else what you would want done for you. You know how much you love you? You know how much you love taking care of you? And by the way, I'll, I'll just talk about it. I know how much I like taking care of me. I know how much I like me. I know how easy I am to move my preferences to the front. I know how prone I am to say, well, let's think about this for what makes me the happiest. Jesus is reiterating through the law. This even legal expert knows the law that says, I want you to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Do you see how high that wall is? Do you see how high that bar is? As much as you love yourself. Love. 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 Not teach your neighbor. Not instruct your neighbor. Not scold your neighbor. Not judge your neighbor. Not give a sales pitch to your neighbor. Love your neighbor. As much as you love yourself. Jesus says, you're right, expert in the law. You have said, well, do these things and you will live. But the weasel in this story, I've, I've identified him as a weasel. This expert in the law, because he's trying to test Jesus. What's, what is he thinking? This weasel in this moment, he pushes it further because he wants to justify himself. Jesus has just confirmed that love God and love others. Those are the two big deals. And love your neighbor. He wants to justify himself. That's what Luke tells us there. Wanting to justify himself, he asks a follow-up question. Verse 29, he says, and who is my neighbor? Okay, if I'm supposed to love others as much as I love myself, if I'm supposed to love my neighbor, who is my neighbor? He, he's really looking for some things and listening for things in this. This is the equivalent of the question that a student might, might ask a teacher. When they say, what's the lowest grade I need to make on this test and still pass? <laughs> By the way, students, teachers love that question. Good luck with that. 
give me a number, teacher. Like, I, I, I really want to stay up late and don't really want to study much. So how much do I need to just skate by? And that's what the weasel's asking right here. He's asking, who's my neighbor? What he's really wondering in this moment, what he's really hoping to hear in this moment, is he hoping to hear back from Jesus, okay, weasel, well, your neighbor is only the people equal in status to you. You only have to love them. But that's not where Jesus is going. He's hoping to hear, well, only the people who won't monopolize your time or inconvenience you. But that's not where Jesus is going. He's hoping to hear Jesus say, you only have to love those who've, wor who've lived worthy lives. That's not where he's going. He's hoping to hear Jesus say, you only have to love the people who have no drama around them. He's hoping to hear that. But that's not where Jesus is going. He's hoping to hear that he's special. He's hoping to hear that he gets some sort of a pass or an exemption that he doesn't have to love everybody as much as he loves himself. Tell me who my neighbor is because I hear I got to do some loving things, but tell me it's not messy people. Tell, please, tell me it's not difficult people. Jesus, define love for me. What, what's love really talking? What are you talking about here? How, how far do I have to go? What's the least I have to do in order to still pass? And the good news for us is, is that God did not look at you and me and say, did you live a worthy life? God didn't look at me and say, do you have equal status with me? God didn't look at me and judge whether or not I was worthy enough. He just loved me. And he's calling us to reflect that as we go about our day in our lives. Love God with everything you are. That one's pretty clear. Love your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? It's everybody you encounter. Your neighbor is your fellow human. <laughs> your neighbor is your fellow human. That means... Love your neighbor who is on the other side of the aisle politically from you. That means love your neighbor who thinks differently than you do about abortion. That means love your neighbor who thinks differently than you do about homosexuality. That means love your Muslim neighbor. That means love your Jewish neighbor. That means love the people you meet. Because all of us need the love of God, amen? All of us. And the story that Jesus is about to tell paints the widest picture of God's love. Let's jump into it together. The weasel's asked the question. The weasel wants to justify himself. The weasel wants to hear, well, I don't have to really love everybody so Jesus tells this story. The story is this. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. That's a road that's kind of twisty and curvy. There's maybe 17 miles. It's maybe a 20-mile trek, depending on where you are, from, from Jerusalem to Jericho. And it's, it's got a lot of twists and curves on it. And, and it was actually known in, in the region as the Way of Blood. 
Because in some of these twists and turns, robbers and thieves would hide around the corner. And when some unsuspecting traveler would come by, they would pounce on them and steal all their stuff. And Jesus tells a story of a man who was going on the way of blood from Jerusalem to Jericho, this 20-mile trek, which in the day was not a long trek. This wasn't a very long, long, long journey, but he was going along this way. And as he was going, he was attacked by robbers. Now, I want you to look with me at this. He was attacked by robbers. That's the first thing. He was, they stripped him of his clothes. They beat him. And then they went away, leaving him half dead. On a journey, on this road, who knows where he was headed? Who knows what was on his mind? Who knows what was waiting for him in Jericho? Who knows what kind of time he had just had in Jerusalem? But he was on his way and he's attacked and he's stripped naked. He's beaten and he's left for dead. When you dig into that a little bit, the idea of him being left for dead is basically when the people encounter him on the road, when the priest, when the Levite and the Samaritan encounter him on the road, he's absolutely unconscious. He's just out of it. He looks more dead than alive. Can we try to climb into this moment together of this man on the side of the road, lying there, coming in and out of consciousness, and he can't really move. And he's bleeding. There may be broken bones. And he's absolutely uncovered. He's naked. And in this moment, the man there on the side of the road, he is absolutely afraid. What's going to happen? What if they come back? What's that noise? Is that them coming back? Are they going to come back and get me again and finish the job? He's not only afraid, he's embarrassed. Being uncovered in those days and naked was like really one of the worst things. It was shame connected to be seen without your clothes. And here is this guy on the side of the road beaten and not only is he afraid and not only is he embarrassed and he's just like so worried about being covered because he's naked but he's also absolutely discouraged I was just on my journey and this has happened to me why in the world has this happened to me I've tried to be a good person I've tried to do good things and now this is just what is going on and I would imagine between the blood and bruising, coming in and out of consciousness, I would imagine there's a whole lot of tears. Who's gonna help me? Am I gonna die right here? Is this the, am I done? Am I done on the road to Jericho in the dirt, naked and beaten and robbed? And oh my gosh, he was robbed. And he's thinking, even if I recover, even if I can get myself up, where am I going to go? Maybe there's an inn down the road I can get to, but I'm naked and I don't have any money. They took everything. Everything. 
I want us to climb into that moment for a little bit because we don't live near the way of blood. We don't live near the road to Jericho and we don't see people in this kind of a predicament very often in our lives. But you better believe it in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, there are a boatload of people who have been attacked in some way or another. Who've been robbed. Maybe just violated in their heart and mind and body and robbed of their innocence. There have been people who've been beaten physically by a cruel spouse or a parent. People who've been beaten with words and they've just been told they're nothing. They have just been beaten to a pulp with words. And there's so much fear and there's so much discouragement. Is this my life? Am I done? Is it over? This person is leaving me. Am I ever going to find love again? Is this ever going to work out again? They just fired me for no reason. How in the world did this happen? Why has this happened to me? I try to be a good person. I try to do good things. And now this has just happened. Maybe they lost the house. They lost the car. They lost the job. I don't have anything. How am I even going to pay for anything? And I'm so embarrassed. I don't feel like enough of a man because I lost that or this happened or I let them do this or this came up in my life. I'm so embarrassed. I told everybody how excited I was about this relationship and then he turned out to be this or he turned out to be that. I'm so embarrassed that I can't give up the addiction. I'm so embarrassed. You better believe that's going on in our city right now. And this story is all about rescued people who've been beaten and robbed and left for dead. But this story is also about you and me. And the question is, are we the kind of people who will stop and have mercy? who will stop out of our busy schedules trying to keep up with our kids' sports, who will stop with our busy schedule trying to do all the things we've committed to do, who will keep up with our schedules of where we have to be next. Are we the kind of people who will love our neighbor, all of our neighbors, when we find them beaten, robbed, and left? If you're here this morning and this story is part of your story where life just fell upon you and you absolutely feel beaten up by circumstances in life and betrayal and hurt and wounds, I want to tell you this. Listen, I'm so sorry that that has happened in your life. I'm so sorry that that has happened to you, but I have some some hope for you. Jesus Christ can heal the wounds, not just the physical ones, but the ones that run down deep. Our God is a healer of wounds. And I, I want to invite you to come along with us in our church. I would love for you to come get in on the ground floor. We're three months old. 
as a church. We're just getting started. Come on, as we open our doors and fling them wide and say, come on, come on, all who've been broken, all who've been beaten, all who've been left for dead, all who are so embarrassed, all who are just going, things did not turn out the way I thought they would. Life and my own sinfulness and all of these things have happened to me. As we open the doors and invite people in and say, there's hope in Jesus. There's not hope in us, but there's hope in Jesus. Come on in. You don't feel like you belong anywhere? Come belong with us because guess what? We are a collection of broken pieces. Restored and welded together in Christ Jesus. And our God taking all of us and making something beautiful. They left him for half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man he passed by on the other side. No excuse. He saw him. But there were a lot of things that were going on in his mind. Some scholars speculate that the priest maybe had just finished his eight days of required duty in Jerusalem in the temple and now maybe he lived in Jericho and he was on his way home and he was tired. He'd been dealing with people all week long. He had a place to go. Maybe his family was waiting for him. He had to get to Jericho soon and he saw this guy and he was just like, that looks messy. That looks like it's going to take a while. That looks like it's going to take some time and some cost. And uh, he just went on. And in his mind, he was thinking, somebody else will take care of him. I'm, but after all, I've, I've been doing a lot of good stuff in the temple all week long. I mean, I'm not a jerk. I'm not a jerk. Imagine him talking to himself like this as he walks on the way to Jericho, having skirted around the other side of the street from this dying, struggling man. I'm a, I'm a good guy. I've, I've been working in the temple. I'm a, I'm a good guy. I, I'm, not, I'm not a jerk. I'm, I, somebody else will take care of this, but it's somebody else's turn. I've been given and given and given. He was not a neighbor. It says next that also, a, a Levite. A Levite is kind of a temple attendant, kind of a little bit of a, a step below one of the priests who was leading in the temple. But a Levite was one of the attendants who kind of helped make things happen. A lot of the logistics and a lot of the temple maintenance and that kind of stuff. And the Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, oh, he can't just say, oh, I didn't know. He saw him. And he did the math in his head very quickly. That's some drama. And I, I just need to keep moving. He passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan. And that word Samaritan's key here for a moment. Because you need to understand, when Jesus was talking to all these people and the weasel. Don't forget the weasel. When he's talking to them, when, he, when Jesus mentioned the Samaritan, what, something instantly fired off in the brain of the weasel. This expert in the law, he's like, oh, a Samaritan. Well, at least I'm better than a Samaritan. You think of the, the poorest, most stereotypical, most racially based 
derogative thought or word you can come up with for somebody else who is denigrated and mistreated, and that's what the Jewish people thought of the Samaritans. They're half-breeds. Half-breeds that became half-breeds out of the exile that we had in a foreign land, and they came back here, and they worship on another mountain, and they have a different kind of priesthood than we have, and they say they worship the same God, but it's not the same. We are so much better than them. Now, all that fired off in the brain of the weasel when Jesus said, but a Samaritan, but then Jesus flips it. But a Samaritan, he was on the same road, and when he saw the man, he took pity on him. Ooh. Whoa. He took pity on the man and he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Now, you need to understand this Samaritan, we don't know anything about his life, but. We don't have any indication that he was like, I am on a Jericho Road ministry team. And I have a, I was robbed kit. And inside there, I've got oil and wine and some stitching and some bandages and some pamphlets for where you can get some help and all, all, all kinds of stuff like that. And I'm on the road and I'm looking for somebody. And, oh, I found one. I'm going to break out my kit. And it's got all the essentials you need when you find somebody who was robbed because I'm on the team that's on the Jericho Road Ministry for people who've been robbed. We, there's no thought about that at all. The guy just had with him what he had with him. And in the ancient Near East, Wounds were not neat and tidy. They were huge gashes of exposed bone and terrible, terrible, terrible injuries. And he just did what he could. He poured the wine. It had alcohol in it. And the wine would help stave off infection. And he poured some oil on these wounds because there was this thought that the, the oil would soothe and comfort the things that were hurting and he just did his best. He just did his best with what he had. He didn't have a kit. He just looked on his own saddled donkey that he had there and he just thought, well, this is what I got. So I'm gonna, I gotta do something. But he goes further. Look what it says there in your text. It says he bandaged him with his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. That, that took care of him phrase. Oh, that's so convicting. He stayed the night. He stayed by his side. He stayed with him and maybe patted his forehead as a fever maybe tried to come on. Or maybe he rinsed off his wounds throughout the day or helped him do different things as he would come in and out of consciousness. But he took care of him. Don't miss the fact that he, he put him on his own donkey. Have you ever tried to lift the dead weight of a person who's unconscious? There's some work involved here. Maybe some of you have had this experience before where you, you get all cleaned up, you get a shower, you get your clothes on, you get ready to go somewhere, and then you got to do something, and there's like mud or dirt involved, and you're like, ah, I'm, I'm like, I'm, ah, I'm all ready to go. That's long gone for our Samaritan friend. 
this man is naked and bleeding. And he's got to get up close and personal with all of the blood and filth and exposure of this guy and help pick him up off the ground and put him on his own donkey. Beautiful picture of love. Beautiful picture of, I'm going to get in this and I'm going to have some gunk on me. But I'm not going to walk by you. If you're here at People of Hope Church and your life is a mess, welcome. So is ours. We just hide it a little bit better. If you're here and you're new at People of Hope Church and you got some issues and some rough edges and your things are complicated in your story, I want you to know you're welcome here. We're not going to walk by you. We're not going to wait. Hey, would you go to some other church? Because we're only looking for people without drama. We're only looking for people who've got it all together. We're only looking for people who wear all the right clothes to church and they say all the right words and they, they know all the stuff and they smile and nod and they, they all those kind of things. We're only looking for, uh, we're, we're not going to pass you by. We, as a matter of fact, we would love to not just welcome you in on a Sunday morning. We'd like to get to know you. We have these things called community groups at our church. That's one of the ways we're building this church. And it's a group of couples and families. And we have some for students as well and, and single people and married people, all that kind of stuff. And they meet in homes around the city uh, on a weeknight. They meet twice a month or a weekend night. Some of the, they meet on different times. But they get together and they study the Bible together. But they also have a meal and they pray for each other and they find out what's going on in their lives. And we'd love to do that for you. You've been, bro- you've been broken and beaten up? Come on. You don't feel like you belong anywhere? Come belong here. We'll take you. Uh, things aren't settled. Things are complicated. That's okay. Come on. Because we want to do what Jesus said. We want to love our neighbor. And you're our neighbor. Takes him to the end and he takes care of him. I, I, that, that just, that phrase sticks with me. He, he takes care of him. He tends to him. Look what he does. Verse 35, the next day he took out two denarii and each denarii was about a day's wages worth uh, and that was a Roman currency. He, he took that and he gave it to the innkeeper and he's like, look, I, I, gotta, I gotta go to Jericho. So he kept doing his life, all right? He kept doing it. Loving other people doesn't mean you stop living your life. It doesn't mean you stop going to work. It doesn't mean that you give up on your kids. It doesn't mean that you quit your ball teams. It doesn't mean that you stop doing all the things you're supposed to be doing. Do your life, but also do what you can. Two denarii, that's not a ton of money, but it was what was needed in that moment. Here's the expenses for this guy. Evidently, he was so bad off that it would be about two more days before he was well enough to even get up and take care of himself. And this Samaritan, this great neighbor, he gave these two denarii and he said, look, I'm gonna be passing back this way again at some point. And when I come, I'll reimburse you if you have more expenses for that. This Samaritan didn't know the guy who was beaten up. He didn't have any history with the guy who was beaten up. He's just saying, this is my neighbor. Who's my neighbor? He's my fellow human. 
He's my fellow struggler. And that could have easily have been me. And some of us in the room, as we go about the borough, as we encounter people in stores and in restaurants and in coffee shops and at the mailbox and people at our, our kids' teams and at our workplaces, as we encounter them, some of them will say, I see you and you have been beaten and robbed and stripped and left for dead. And you don't know this maybe about me, but I've had some similar experiences too. And I was broken and God has helped me heal a bit. I still walk with a limp from those days. I still tear up from some of those days. But I'm in here with you right now and I'm gonna do what I can for you right now, even if it's messy. I'm gonna pay you back, the Samaritan says. Look after him, look after him. So the story finishes and Jesus looks the weasel right in the eyes. Can you imagine just hearing a pin drop? Oh my gosh, the hero of the story is a Samaritan? Gulp. Jesus looks the weasel in the eye and he says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? And this... The expert in the law couldn't even say the word Samaritan. He just said, the one who had mercy on him. And so Jesus, still holding that gaze, said, now you go and do likewise. We're talking about this morning, if you've been beaten, broken, robbed, stripped, embarrassed, left for dead, if you've just felt like things were over, life just fell upon you, we're saying, listen, we're a brand new church in town, come on, come hang with us, and let's collect more and more people and watch God make a beautiful thing out of all of our broken pieces. But we're also asking the question this morning, am I the kind of man, are you the kind of woman, are you the kind of student, are you the kind of man who would stop and help because Jesus is looking you in the eye this morning and he's looking me in the eye this morning and he's saying, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. We don't know anything about the man on the road to Jericho who was beaten up. He may have been well-educated or he may have been a simpleton. He may have been kind and generous, or he may have been a cruel snake. He may have been loaded with gold, or poor with only pennies in the folds of his robe. By the way, that's probably why they stripped him, is because it was common in those days with tunics and outer garments to hide and conceal your valuables inside the folds of your flowing robes and garments. He may have been smart, he may have been generous, he may have been rich, he may have been not smart, he may have been cruel, he may have been poor. The thing is, it doesn't matter. You and I are called to love our neighbor. Our job is to love people and let, leave the judging to God. Let me say that again. Our job is to love people and leave the judging to God. Well, I'm pretty sure my neighbor is 
you know, shack it up with their friend. And I don't think the Bible would approve of that, so I don't approve of that. That's not your role. Guess what your role is? To love God and love them. God doesn't need you to take up for him. Love your neighbor. Do what you can for them. Do what you can for them. We need to stop for just a brief moment here and remember while we're talking about this story and the man who fell among the thieves and talking about the Samaritan who came in and was so generous and so merciful, we need to stop and just take a moment and talk about our Jesus and what he has done. For God sent his only son. Jesus didn't happen upon us. God came to earth on purpose at the instruction of God on a mission to save you and me. And God didn't happen upon us as strangers. We are these rebellious people who chose to make God our enemy because we sinned against him. Oh my goodness. And Jesus came and died for us even while we were sinful. Jesus came and died for us even while we rejected him and denied him and defied him and said, no, I want to do my own thing. Jesus said, I love you. And you're beaten by sin. And your shame is exposed. And you're not just half dead, you're fully dead in your soul. But Jesus took care of us. God sent his son Jesus into the world and he gave his life on a cross. And when he did so, God turned that method of execution that the Romans used into an altar. And Jesus became the lamb of God who was sacrificed for your guilt and for my guilt. This is the love of, the outrageous love of God that God would look at us in all of our guilt and say, I'm gonna punish my son instead of punishing us. I'm going to pour out on him all that is deserved for you and for you and for you and for you and for you as rebels. This is the outrageous love of God. This Samaritan would stop where he was going. He would interrupt his plans. He would, would not only lift up this guy and get all messy with this guy and he would take care of this guy and he would pay. Yes, 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 yes. And infinitely more is what Jesus has done for you. Because he has loved you even in your filth, even in your sinfulness. And he gave his life for you. Three days later, God raised Jesus from the dead. And then God made this offer to you and me this morning. That if you and I would believe that Jesus is the son of God. And that in his dying on the cross, he accomplished full payment, finished payment for sin. And that God raised him from the dead. If you'll believe in Jesus as the son of God, that he died and rose again for sin. And if you'll follow Jesus as the Lord and leader of your life, then you can have all your sins forgiven. You can become his child. You can have the promise of heaven. You can be free from the grip of sin. You can be new. And that is the most amazing rescue the world has ever known. Because friends, in our sinfulness, 
we had no hope. But God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. So if you've not believed in Jesus this morning, if you've never become a Christian, I want to invite you to give your life and to follow and to, to put faith in Jesus and give your heart to Jesus and believe in Jesus today. Become a disciple of Jesus today because this is who we're asking you to follow, the one who loves you this much, the one who looks at you and knows you to the core of who you really are and loves you anyway, the one who says, I know what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. I will accept you, not based on your behavior, but what Jesus, my son, did on the cross. We're asking you to follow the one who is not just an example of mercy. He is mercy. So if you haven't done that, do that right now. Maybe just even in your seat, you don't have to say magic words. You just need to say to God, I believe in you, Jesus, that you really are the son of God. I believe that you really died for sins and that you're really alive. You're not still dead, but you conquered death and you rose and you paid for all of my sin and I wanna follow you as my Lord. If you do that, then, then you can be a Christian and your soul will come alive because our relationship with God is not by works, or by magic words, but it is a gift we receive by grace through faith. We believe and we are saved. That's what the Bible says. So let me wrap this up this morning. Jesus says, go and do likewise. Hello, is that challenging to anybody? Because we've seen what the Samaritan did. Go and do likewise. The call upon your life and my life this morning is that we would follow the Samaritan way. I want people of hope to be people of the Samaritan way. That while we're going through life at the soccer fields, in the office, in the drive-through, at the restaurant, wherever we find ourselves in this city, that we would, would be people who are like, oh, there's somebody who's been beaten. There's somebody who's been broken. There's somebody who's been robbed. There's, been, there's somebody who's been left for dead. And I know a Savior whose name is Jesus. And I want to stop. And I want to show them mercy. I want to love them. Friends, the Samaritan way is absolutely critical for us as a brand new church. You and I will have the privilege, Lord willing, over the life of this church of watching God rescue and restore broken people, people after people after people, family after family after family. We'll get the privilege to watch that. But if we do not practice the Samaritan way, if we don't open our doors and welcome all who come, no matter what their life looks like, what, who they are, what their background is, if we, don't, if we don't open the doors, if we don't show mercy to everybody, then you and I will become one of those churches who two years from now are arguing about the color of the carpet in the worship center. And I refuse to be a part of that church. Anybody with me on that? If we don't love, love, and embrace, and welcome, and announce, and invite 
and proclaim and point to Jesus if we don't do those things, if we make it about being comfortable and we like the music and the preacher's okay and we like the chairs and the coffee and the people and it's comfy and it's convenient, if we don't stay active about mercy and loving our neighbor and being out in the world with the gospel of Christ, if we don't do that, then we'll be one of those churches who two years from now, we're looking over at the corner about how somebody dressed when they came to church and we're judging them in our heart. I don't want to be like that church anymore, do you? I want to be a church that is having a blast because it's story after story after story after story of someone who says, I was dead and Jesus made me alive. I was broken and Jesus is healing me. I still got a limp and I'm still struggling. I still have some days full of tears, but I am on my way in hope in the power of Jesus Christ. Anybody else want to be a part of that church? God's looking you and me in the eye, people of hope. He's looking us in the eye this morning and he's saying, go and do likewise in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. As you're going, if you see one who needs Jesus, who needs a place to belong, Do not pass them by on the other side of the road. We're going to love God and we're going to love people. A friend of mine is uh, on staff at a church in North Carolina and his church says it this way. And I love it. Found people, find people. Restored people rescue others. Can you imagine the stories that this guy told once he was healed up and on his way? Can you imagine the way he dealt with people in need? Can you imagine the stories the innkeeper told to everybody who stayed at his inn for months to come? Let's be willing to show mercy for people who are going to need our time and our attention. And this starts with being open-handed with your schedule. I want you to look at this schedule, this, this picture here for a second. I found this picture. This was a painting from the late 1800s by a French uh, painter. And it's so graphic to me because you have this picture of the guy who had to help this unconscious beaten guy up on his own donkey. And he's even, every little step the donkey's taken, he's having to support the guy on there. It's such a beautiful, powerful picture. And, and, and he was on his way somewhere else. So one of the most beautiful things that you can do tomorrow or even today is just to hold your schedule in an open hand. I got somewhere to be. I got things I got to take care of. But if there's a person in front of me that needs what I have in my saddlebags, I'm going to be late. I'm going to be willing to be interrupted. I'm going to be willing to change my plans. Hold your schedule in your open hand. Say, Lord, this is my day and it's yours. 
I got some plans today, but if you want to throw me a curveball, and if you want to put somebody in my path that needs some love and mercy, I'm in. Because I have received mercy. I know what it's like to be on my back, wondering if this is the end, feeling so ashamed, feeling absolutely robbed. And I don't want them to go another second thinking, oh my gosh, that's two people who've passed me by. Am I going to die here? I'm holding my life in my open hand. Found people, find people. When you came in this morning, hopefully everybody got a couple of pieces of mosaic. Would you grab those? I want you to turn those in your hand a little bit. Just kind of feel them, look at them. These little pieces of a mosaic. One of them represents you. (laughs) Think about your life right now. You got some rough stories in your background. You got some dark seasons. Some painful chapters. You still got some rough edges on you. Our hope is that our God restores what is broken. And our God rescues those who are dying. And our God is actively right now making something beautiful out of all of our lives. But the other one is something I want you to keep with you in your pocket or in the cup holder in your car or in the pocket of your backpack you're in all the time or next to your sink in your, in your bathroom or I want you to keep it with you somewhere all the time. I, I want you to think about, I want you to think about the fact that, that you're going to run across some broken pieces this week. And you got a choice to cross on the other side or to say, I want to I want to wait in. This may be a 30-second minute or a three-month minute. But I can't pass them by. And I want to join their story with my story, your story, your story, your story. I want to be a part of what God's doing in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. There's some broken people out there. They don't know hope whose name is Jesus. People of hope, go and do likewise. bow your head and close your eyes just for a second just linger in that moment for some of you in this room right now you're aware your heart's pounding a little bit because you're about a hundred yards past somebody in life that you went by them and you need to circle back tomorrow they're, they're probably still lying by the side of the road And you had a lot of good excuses, a lot of good reasons 
to keep moving, but you need to circle back. God's telling you right now to circle back. So my challenge to you is that you would commit in your seat to be obedient to that nudge of the Spirit. And tomorrow morning, you're going to reach out to them. You're going to check on them. You're going to go give them some attention. You're going to go give them what you have, what you can. Do for them what you can. You're going to love them and show them mercy. For others of you, your commitment this morning between you and God is just to hold your life, your busy schedule in an open hand. To say to God, I am fully interruptible. And nothing on my schedule this week is more important than loving you and loving my neighbor. Can you just say that to God? Nothing on my schedule this week is more important than loving you and loving my neighbor.